On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. The fact that uh, we've had three great quarters in a row is really important, very significant. And, uh, you know, like I've said many times before, the future continues to be bright for the state of Iowa. There's optimism about Iowa's economy in the next six months, with a few cautionary notes. It's called the Silver Tsunami, and it will have a huge impact on Iowa's business future. And you'll hear about an Iowa company that has kept its part of the supply chain strong through using U.S.-sourced products. This is the Iowa Business Report for the second weekend of April, 2021. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. The Iowa Business Council is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization whose 22 members are the chief decision makers of major Iowa employers. Each quarter, those members are surveyed about trends in forecast sales, workforce levels, and capital spending. The latest survey projecting levels for the next six months was released this past week. Joe Murphy is executive director of the Iowa Business Council. Well, we're very happy to report that this is the third consecutive quarter of positive economic sentiment from our Iowa Business Council members. So we've had three consecutive quarters, the third quarter, the fourth quarter of 2020, and then the first quarter of of 2021. And I think that's really important because that's really showcasing that, you know, Iowa is on the right path towards recovery from the pandemic. And not only are we on the right path, but we're getting to a point where we are back to where we were maybe at the front end of this but we're also laying the foundation for future growth and innovation in our state. And the fact that our members continue to be optimistic about the future also indicates that mid-sized and small businesses are as well. You know, so many of our Iowa Business Council members have customers and clients in that small to medium-sized business, uh, Iowa business perspective as well. So the fact that uh, we've had three great quarters in a row is really important, very significant. And, uh, you know, like I've said many times before, the future continues to be bright for the state of Iowa. Obviously, people look toward revenue because that's the the quickest way to affect a balance sheet. And you've got some pretty optimistic members with regard to that sales or revenue forecast. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when you look at our sales from our members, you know, more than 65% of our members expect sales to be higher over the course of the next uh, six months. That's really important as businesses look to, again, continue to make business decisions on what their future projections might be. The fact that uh, a strong majority of our businesses are expecting sales to increase really spells uh, some good some good news for the state's economy. And when you then look at the other end of the spectrum, only 15% thought that it would drop in any way. And so again, when you have two-thirds roughly saying it's going to be positive and a very small number saying that it's going to go down, that really does help as they look toward this ongoing recovery and pivoting, I guess I would say, from the pandemic. Right. Absolutely. I think that's really a good way to look at it. And we as Iowans like to be a little bit cautious in where we think we might be in in six months. And that's definitely appropriate. And I think that also speaks to the level of pragmatism that our members have when they're forecasting out, you know, four or five, six months into the future. I think that also helps uh, Iowa become a more resilient state than other than other states. Our, Our business leaders are incredibly capable and are really looking out for the best interests of their employees and their customers. And I think that shows throughout this survey. And you phrase these questions, 
about how the members expect things to be in the next six months as opposed to the prior six months. So we're now to a point that as you look at this, Joe, you're in a recovery mode. You're past the initial three months worth, four months worth of just a cratering in the economy. Pragmatism seems to be the key word with regard to longer lasting expenditures. I always look at capital spending in a survey like this as really being a big barometer because if you're willing to invest significant money in capital spending, buildings, etc., that means you plan to be around for a while. And this was a pretty cautious, not negative, but cautious result when you asked about capital spending. It was, but I think I think it's important to also put that into context to your to your point. You know, it was our, our index score still was well above fifty, and anything above fifty represents positive uh, overall uh, sentiment. So we were just above uh, fifty six for a raw index score and capital spending. And to your point, you know, that was down a little bit from the previous quarter, but you know, we were really coming out of uh, the third quarter and fourth quarter. Uh, with a lot of momentum as things were opening up and vaccines were starting to get uh, shots in arms. And, and so I think when you look at, at our capital spending metrics now, you know, the vast majority of our companies you know, don't have necessarily a change in the forecast. So that doesn't imply that there's going to be less. That just implies that they've reached you know, a very good level right now that they can sustain over the course of the next six months. And I think that, that as, we, as we mentioned before, I think that represents a a positive, pragmatic outlook that's important and will heed good business decisions in the future. And again, to that point, roughly half say no change in capital spending, but about a third said increased, and very, very few therefore said that they would have lower capital spending. So again, it's right-sizing, it's being cautious, but if they have a pretty stable level of building, for example, they're looking for people to put in those buildings and get to a, an expanded workforce. There's optimism, but there's realism. Tell me about that. There is. You know, Iowa continues to be in this uh, workforce predicament where we need more people in the state. We need more people uh, taking the jobs that are offered in the state. We're also sort of in this level of, okay, well, what does the future of work look like? Is it hybrid? Is it remote? Is it all full-time uh, back to work? We're still trying to all figure that out. And I think what you're seeing in this survey also reflects, again, sort of a wait and see approach. Let's not rush into any decisions. If anything, the last uh, 54 weeks have taught us to be flexible and cautious. And I think you'll see business council members continue to pursue that end. And, and I think that that's, that's admirable, right? I mean, I think there's no need to, to rush into decisions right now, particularly as we're talking about bringing people back into the office. But at the same time, Workforce continues to be the number one issue that we deal with. 80% of our members said that's the most significant issue that they face day in and day out. We, again, just need people uh, in this state to stay in this state, and we need new Iowans to move in. And that then, Joe, circles back to the way we began this conversation today about the things that are priorities, and it has to do with creating an overall atmosphere so that people will want to come here and those who are here want to stay here so that you can meet the projections of roughly half of your members who would love to hire more people if they could find people with the appropriate skill set. That's exactly right. You know, at the end of the day, the Iowa Business Council's founding mission is to provide economic opportunities for all Iowans. And as we can look to uh, create those opportunities, we want to create those opportunities in Iowa. If that's not an ability 
our members to do that, they'll have to look elsewhere. And that's an area where we want to avoid at all costs. Joe Murphy, Executive Director of the Iowa Business Council. We connected via Zoom on Tuesday, April 6th. Learn more about the survey at iowabusinesscouncil.org. Earlier this year, the group released its annual Iowa's Competitive Dashboard Report. I talked with Joe Murphy about the impact of this year's report with key decision makers. You can hear that part of the conversation by listening to the full podcast at totallyiowa.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Still to come, planning for the future and the story of a business whose founder was quite inventive. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Panther Biz HQ, UNI students working with small businesses to advance or create dynamic social media presence. Learn more at IASourceLink.com. Dan Benkin of Advance Iowa calls it a silver tsunami of aging baby boomers. One of every three Iowa business owners plans to exit their business by the year 2023, or within two years from now. But a recent business owner survey by the Business Enterprise Institute shows that while 81% of business owners plan to exit their business in the next 10 years, only 20% of those same owners have any type of written transition plan. Now, these issues are especially crucial in Iowa's rural areas, where the business may be vital to a local economy with limited employment options. The impact, therefore, is not only on the business and its employees, but the community as a whole. Advance Iowa offers a variety of consulting options for businesses, including strategic planning for a transition, building sufficient cash flow to allow the new owners to be successful, and comprehensive early planning to maximize options for when it's actually time to exit the business. For more information about their events and services, visit AdvanceIowa.com. Coming up, the post-COVID shipping challenges have led to opportunities for one Iowa manufacturer. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa. If business succession planning is on your mind, consider a worker co-op. The next free seminar on the topic is this coming Thursday, April 15th. For more, go to AdvanceIowa.com. One year since the pandemic began and supply chains around the world are still being impacted. Many manufacturers are still struggling to source parts and materials for their U.S.-based operations. But one longtime manufacturer in Osceola has thrived during this unique economic time because it sources its materials from within the U.S. Carrie Richardson is sales and marketing manager at Miller Products Company based in Osceola. We spoke via Zoom on Wednesday, March 31st. Miller Products started in 1936 as a bicycle shop. Don Miller was his name, and he bought the assets of a company called Des Moines Bicycle Company and ran the bicycle shop for three or four years in Des Moines, Iowa on Grand Avenue. And he patented a kickstand. 
And after he had patented the kickstand, he got out of the bicycling business, sold it to other bicycle shops, and went immediately into production of kickstands and sold all of the kickstands to Schwinn until the patent ran out in the 50s. The patent was in about 1940. So that's how we got our start as a machine shop. And by the time the patent had run out, we were a full-fledged machine shop making uh, power takeoff pins for tractors, pins for the military, and other you know, agricultural equipment. In the 60s, we moved down here to our current location in Osceola, Iowa, and we've just continued to grow as a full-fledged machine shop. We now do CNC machining, and we also make Swiss parts. So we're always trying to grow Miller products. And we're always buying into the new technologies. We have a great owner who believes in buying new equipment every year, getting the very best equipment. We've had a continued growth pattern out of it. It's a very nice business. And I don't mean to be flip about it, but it sounds like the owner really subscribes to the theory you've got to spend money to make money. You're going to be more efficient. You're going to be an industry leader if you keep current with your foundation in the shops. Yes, that is correct. It's our goal every year to get more newer equipment. Now, we still have equipment from the 1950s that still does make you know excellent parts, but there's also newer parts that we never would have been able to make if we hadn't bought into the new technology. Really, when I was brought in here about 15 years ago, that's what we were intending to do was get more modernized even, and today it really shows in the type of product we've put out. Now, you're based in Osceola. What are some of the great advantages to being based there as opposed to some other area in Iowa or some other state? And what are some of the challenges, frankly, from being in a a good Iowa, south-central Iowa town? Obviously, one of the advantages is location, which is we are near the points of Interstate 80 and Interstate 35. Most of our business is within 400 miles of Osceola. But, you know, last year we did sell in 48 states and seven Canadian provinces and four or five other you know, countries. So we do have a big footprint, but the majority of our business would still be within four to 500 miles of Osceola because we do sell metal parts and transportation is an issue. But being near the, the two interstates is a great advantage to us. I know when we looked, that was a, a big part of it was finding the right location. The great thing about being in small town Iowa is there is a ready workforce for us. Some of the costs associated with doing business are less in the smaller towns. Really, we love the people and, you know, the people are what makes Miller products. So we have a, we have a really long-term workforce. Many people that have been here 30 years plus. And you have to be doing something right to keep those people because good people have other opportunities, but you've been able to keep them productive, keep them satisfied, And that's got to be a great foundation as you expand or as you bring younger people in just through uh, the natural passage of time. Yes. And, you know, every year we increasingly have to have more educated people to run our equipment. And because we have so many people here with longevity, we're able to pass that knowledge down to the next person. And you're just not finding the people coming out of the schools with this experience that we need. So we have to teach it here, and that, that's probably the toughest part of being in this business is, is finding the right people, but we do have that advantage to where we have people who have been here a long time. Your business has been around almost 100 years. You know, Before you know it, you're going to have your centennial, and so you've got some reputation there that does help you 
get those good people. Are the places where they are being schooled, are they just not responsive to the needs of the workforce, or is it a matter that the role, if you will, of education should be to teach basic principles because your shop is going to be different than a similar custom shop down the road? Or are they just missing out? Maybe that's the most blunt way to ask the question. Are they just missing out on what they need to do? Yeah, I I think the focus, you know, from about the 1980s on shifted away from manufacturing and these types of jobs. And that's why you see the STEM programs and that making a strong comeback now. And we're actually part of the STEM program for the school here. All the manufacturers in town, we have a really nice shop program at our school here. You know, we just donated a mill, a metal mill to the school for the students to use. And I know other manufacturers in town have donated welding equipment and other metal working equipment. And they have a laser and everything else. So it's about getting the students excited. Otherwise, you know, they're naturally going to go to some other occupation. It would seem to me anyway that uh, if somebody thinks they want to go into television, let's say, they see people on television, so they know what it's like. They think they know what being a lawyer is like, but they don't often get the chance unless you make a concerted effort. They don't come into a factory. They don't come into a shop to see things as they really are. That gives you a disadvantage because they don't know unless you really aggressively recruit. That is the truth. It is so important for us as manufacturers to get into the schools. Sure, we can rely on the government to have programs for things like that. But if we don't go out there and personally do it ourselves, we're not going to get the message down. And it should start really in the middle schools, maybe maybe the elementary to a degree. You know, we invite the students here. We have tours every year when the students come in. We go to the high schools and make speeches to the students. And we we just encourage them to look at this as a, as a career because, you know, we get the stigma of, you know, a dirty place to work and things like that. But that's really not what it is anymore. It's, it's very computerized. We make very sophisticated parts. And uh, you have to have a clean environment to do that or the parts would never pass inspection. So... We, we love our program with the school. You know, we've done welding competitions. We've done all kinds of things to create interest. And it has paid off to a degree. I know it's just going to take more legwork to get there. So during the pandemic, everybody had to pivot. That became the word of the year. What did you folks find with regard to your business, supply chain, et cetera? How were things different for you once this pandemic began a year ago? We were very fortunate in the fact that we are considered an essential business or an essential supplier. So we were actually able to come to work every day. We never did have to lay anyone off or go to limited hours or anything like that. We've we've always been able to find enough business to keep Miller products going during the year. And really the year was about a wash with the prior year. We always expected growth, especially the marketing guy and sales guy, he has to do that. It started off a little slower, you know, in April and whatnot. The world really didn't know what was going on. So sales did crawl down a bit. But by the end of August, things had really picked up. And into November, we started having record months. Happy to say this is going to be our busiest month we've ever had as a company, March of 21. So while COVID did change things up, uh, we did find some new work with COVID. We made pins for the hospital beds they were making. We made pins for the emergency lighting. We made pins for well, some of the outdoor tents that were being put up. You know, because everything we make, we make right here in Osceola, Iowa, we're able to react quickly and, and get that product out when things like this happen. So that was a boon for us. Obviously, some of our other manufacturers slowed down a bit where if they weren't essential or 
it got slower for them. They just didn't order like they were. But we were able to pick up enough other business to where we came to work every day, fortunately. And I could never be a guy to work from home. I don't, I don't know how they do it really, but we were able to come to the office every day and we put in the safety protocols. We really did not have, you know, a big COVID issue. Obviously, everybody's going to have, have a, some taste of it. We feel very lucky and that set us up for this year where we can just, we're just soaring right now. It is no small feat for a company, any company, to come through that COVID year and basically break even. But not only did you do that, you kept it steady, but now you've got record sales. So obviously the sales and marketing guy is doing a a bang-up job, but it's the ability of your custom machining, is it not, that really helped allow you to make whatever changes are needed to address what customers needed. Right, And, and our constant message was to our customers, we're still here, we're doing this every day, if you have something that you're not able to get from somebody else, we can probably do that too. You know, we, we did gain a lot out of this by being versatile. Our supply chain was very good. We, when we source local material or national material. We don't try to source anything imported. So we've been able to keep a good supply chain. And a very good example of what happens to the supply chain is when that boat got stuck in the canal two weeks ago. And look how it backed everything up. You know, we don't we don't worry about things like that here because we do we do source things locally. So the supply chain is very fragile in the world. And you know, we try to do our part of making things right here and being able to distribute right from the middle of America. It's an exciting year for Miller products. We love doing what we're doing and we'll we'll keep doing it. Carrie Richardson, sales and marketing manager at Miller Products Company in Osceola. They're online at millerproductsco.com. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. You'll also find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR Extras and IBR Business Profiles. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, including Alexa, iHeart, and TuneIn. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.